Hi, this is Mish Hancock, and you are listening to Mishmash, a place where I get to talk to the weird, wacky, and wonderful people of this world, people I adore and want to know more about. Today, my guest is Patrick Murphy. You know him as the voice of Channel 9, where he recently retired as the vice president of production. Now you will also know him as an artist. And this is some of the things we're going to talk about today. Hi, Patrick Murphy. Terrific. Hi. I've retired, but what I've basically done is I've shifted to being, as I was for many years, a uh, contract producer. Right, so you're still there. I'm still, I'm still producing. Just not St. the full time, shows. full time. I'm still doing the vo- the voiceover work, and I'm still doing like if an odd documentary or something comes in. So it's just like I'm not going in every day, which is like the best of which everything. Which is awesome, right? Yeah. Well, yeah, and tell me about you. We were talking about your documentary not too long ago. What are some of the documentaries you're doing? I got three. We've got three coming out. Uh, one called "Wish You Were Here," which is. Uh, uh, it's the 100th anniversary of the Missouri State Park System. Okay. So I spent like a week with a camera crew traveling all over the state, shooting the most beautiful parts of Missouri State Parks and oh. doing a documentary. And that's coming out this month, May, if, that, if this month is May. It is May. And also uh, another one we've been working on for a year and a half. It's finished now. It's called A Place Worth Saving. It's the story of the Central West End. And if you watch Channel 9, I mean, there's going to be a whole lot of hype. There's going to be a premiere and a, a rolling out. And that's, that's I think, probably there's going to be something at the Missouri Historical Society, a screening later this month. And then I think it premieres in June. And another one, a third one that we spent about a year and a half working on, too, which is just going to come out in August, called um, Smart People, Cool Places, the story Ooh. of Cortex. Ah, and that that's is, awesome. So we just kind of spent a year hanging around Cortex. And wow, St. Louisans do not know how many cool things are going on. You it's know, amazing, right? It's so typical of St. Louis, and we're all guilty of it. <laughs> it's like, yeah, we're St. Louis. <laughs> you know, but like outside of St. Louis, people know that some of the coolest entrepreneurial startup beginnings are going on in St. Louis. We got the architecture, the neighborhoods. Uh, the, you know, like, like now it used to be that younger people would like, they'd get out of town, you know, to Well, they're coming career. here. They're, they're coming People are here coming now. from other places and moving to St. Louis now. Exactly. I've noticed with the younger set. And I'm like, it is a great place to be. We've become hip. Yeah. I mean, eventually it was bound to happen. <laughs> <laughs> you, not, you're around long enough. <laughs> and, and we all of a sudden just become hip just about the time that I'm like, you know, like retiring. You were pre, you, you like led the path. You we like were, were a trailblazer of we hip. We were proto hip. We were right. hip before <laughs> hip was hip. <laughs> we were hippity hoppity hip when, yes. Are, See, if are, you yeah. had some hip people had to be here in the beginning to kind of get the rest of the hipsters to show I, I've up. I've lived in many of neighborhoods in St. Louis that were cool before when they were just cheap. When, yeah, when they were just <laughs> like, just ah, there. Oh, I can afford it here. And then everything grows up around you. That's kind of cool. I know, I know. So, uh, yeah, so that's, I mean, Channel 9 is, I, 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 I started in 1981 doing the voiceover that work there. And it was, um, I thought it was just be a short gig of a few months. And I'd go in and I'd, I'd read, I'd literally read on reel-to-reel tapes. First of all, just things like Wednesday at 8, <laughs> Wednesday at 8.30, Wednesday at 9. And we do the whole clock and then I do Thursday at 9. <laughs> Thursday at night. And then you start getting wacky because your brain starts to go. Wait, you know, what time like, is it? Saturday at 10. <laughs> and then tomorrow and tonight. And then uh, coming up next on National Geographic, you know, owls. <laughs> 
<laughs> you know. <laughs> you know. Oh my gosh, how fun! And that's been a lot of a lot of fun. And it's not like it was just what a great thing to be associated with. I mean, for me personally, to be associated with Channel Nine, which was like the classy TV station, it was like television for smart people right. when there wasn't that much television for smart people. And so like, I'm not a smart or particularly classy guy, but my association <laughs> with channel nine really enhanced my- Just took your status rep- right it, up it, there, I mean, right? It, it really did. It really did. We had an intern one time and uh, I made the mistake of, of something went wrong and I uttered an expletive. Like, like not a really bad one, but you know, bad enough. And she just looked at me and you could almost see tears welling up around our eyes. And I said, what's wrong? And she said, you can't say that. You're, <laughs> you're Patrick you're the, Murphy. You're the voice of Channel 9. It's a, and we don't cuss on this channel. <laughs> I know, I know. And, and, and then doing on-air work, it's like you got to be nice to everybody all the time. You can't give somebody the finger. <laughs> or well, when you're the because, voice of Channel 9, exactly. I'm guessing you, you yeah. have to, it's not like you can have road rage. No, <laughs> you got to be. People will know. You've got to be <laughs> nice all the time. You're like, a, you know, a brand. You've got to be nice. Yeah, well, but you know that's not so bad. That is, and, and I actually think all, we could use a little bit more of the being nice, even if it's not sincere. <laughs> even if I'm just pretending. Well, that's like doing voiceovers in commercials. I mean, in the 1970s, 80s, up into the 90s, it's changed. It's slacked off. There was a huge voiceover market for people who did voiceovers. We were all in AFTRA, <clears throat> which is now after SAG, which is the announcers' union. Mm-hmm. Uh, everybody who did voiceover work was was union. And many of us still are. And there was just lots of work, lots of audio studios and lots of corporate headquarters were here in St. Louis that have since moved. Yeah. Um, And so back then, my agent, Sharon Tucci, Talent Plus, who was everybody's agent Uh and and still is, (laughs) best agent in town, um... um, We, at one point, she had all of us get beepers so that when we wanted to, this was before like cell phones. Right. So this is ancient history for, you know, this is, this is <laughs> for like. For all you youngins out there, yeah. there were these things called beepers. <laughs> I, I mean, it was such a big thing to get when they invented answering machines because you didn't have to stay home looking at the phone right. for your agent to call. Right. You could actually call in and get a, a message. But then the, the beeper would vibrate and that became that vibration. It was the, the feeling and the sound of money. All right, you know, because it was on. either going to be an Where audition, or it was going to be like go down to producers, go down to, go down to uh, Intervision or Technosonic and do a, do a voiceover. And for like, I think for like fifteen years, many of us, I did, made a living basically just doing voiceovers. So you guys were like voices on call. I mean, it would be exactly. someone could call and go, "I we need a voice right now for," well, and then or tomorrow, she could just... or yeah, or soon, yeah. right? And uh, it would be commercials, but a lot of the. A lot of the way to make a living was doing corporate videos because there were a lot of corporate headquarters in town, and it would be it could be a medical video. You could do a video on on how to take out an appendix, and it was fun. What, you did didn't you even ever, know what? Did you, you ever what, do a video? You were just like, "What in the heck am I talking oh, about yeah, right now?" <laughs> yeah, one of them was some sort of thing for like an aerospace company, uh, and it was <laughs> like who? about Star Wars stuff, and and. And I had no idea. We had to sign like a disclosure that we wouldn't say anything about it. Right. Like on a podcast or something like 20 right years now? later. Okay. <laughs> and I had no idea what it was about in medical videos. And a lot of them were corporate videos. And some of them were on camera where you'd put a suit on and you'd look at the camera with sincerity and say, 
in order to achieve next quarter's sales quotas, we need to concentrate on three areas, you know, or... <laughs> and there are and all these because you said it with your... Authority. Authoritative. Yeah. How, what did you, how did you describe your well, voice Sh- again? Sharon said that she would call me when, when a client needed authoritative warmth. There you go. Authority. We were, we were before the podcast, we were kind of kidding around with different kinds of... The, the clue is to listen to the director behind the glass and you do a take and you go, yeah, but give, put a little more warmth in it. And so you'd put a little more warmth in it. And then they go, <laughs> okay, the warmth is good. Now put a little more edge into it. And you go, okay, here's authoritative warmth with just a oh little bit gosh, of Oh my gosh, that's edge. brilliant. A little bit of edge. <laughs> and that's good, okay. But now we need to shave three seconds off it, okay? But try to shave the three seconds off, but not make it sound faster. And then you'd have directors would say who would have like almost code talk, and they go, "I don't know, I don't know. It just needs a little more blue. Make it more blue, <laughs> you know." And it's like, it's like, okay. Hold <laughs> on, let me go. Let or, me think about my blue voice yeah, real quick. <laughs> I mean, you know, the audio guys in the room. You know what? You know what I'm talking about. It's like I don't know. It just needs to be like a little more sunshine, a little more sunshine or something. And you know, and if I you think could I do would that, get sunshine. sunshine. I think blue. I'd I'd kind of be wondering about like how do I sound? Well, you didn't blue. know what the heck he or she meant when they said blue. You just give them something different. So just changed and, it, and, you know. Here's another thing. And again, you know, there are audio people in the room with us. You can't see on the on the screen. <laughs> They're but, here. <laughs> but like a lot of times, producers would say, ah, "Could you just shave off like, like give me another just a little bit of like that dissolved, just shaved like three frames off of it." And I bet you guys have done this too. You wave <laughs> your hand over. The the board look like you're doing it and you go is that better and the producer goes yeah that's what i meant okay we're getting nods here right we're getting nods here and it's like yeah yeah you know sort of mom mind the producer you know oh that's hilarious well listen we're gonna take a quick break Good. we will be right back with patrick murphy We are back with Patrick Murphy. So I met you yeah. a few, how long ago? A couple of months, couple of months ago. Yeah. And I was I was doing a workshop on social media. A great workshop, by the way. Thank yeah, you. It was, it was so much fun. It's called Marketing My Art. Yeah. And why were you Because a there? lot of artists don't think like business people. Well, right. And I mean, it's, it's, the only, it's the only occupation where it's like okay to be starving. You know, I mean, it's like, I'm a starving artist. That's cool. Yeah, you know, you're awesome, it's like man. If somebody said, I'm a starving plumber, you know, it was like, well, then you're probably not very good, right? But starving artists, there's something noble about it. Or or like, like you're actually living, doing your art. And it's like, well, I guess she's sold out. You know? <laughs> Creating stuff that people like, right? Your workshop was terrific. And, and I know the artists who were there, Lisa Ober. Uh-huh. Of uh, uh, the gallery in... Right, in, in uh, Webster Grove. It was in Kirkwood. Right across from the right. station. Uh, yeah, O&D. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it was terrific. So that's how we met. Yeah, that's how we met. And I was like, come be on my podcast. Yeah. I mean, the voice of Channel 9 got uh, it. And then, yeah. I, and then I saw your artwork. Yeah. So talk about your artwork. Well, you know, I've always been kind of interested in... in and I've always liked, like, you know, but about... Uh, well, we've done so many shows on art, 
you know, on Channel 9. We did Arts American. Right? We've done documentaries on art. And I've always kind of sort of been, I've played with it, and particularly watercolors and drawing. And a couple of years ago, I started taking lessons from a, a, an artist named Marilyn Bradley, who is a fantastic watercolorist. And she's, look up Marilyn Bradley. Google, Google Marilyn Bradley. She's great. Cool. And then, and then I, I wanted to do something. I wanted to get into something. You know how we all do things that we're good at all the time? And like, I got pretty good after a while at producing TV. Or, but because eventually you got to get good at something you do for years. Right. And I wanted to get into an area where I wasn't all that good because that's where you're going to grow. Exactly. And, and it was so satisfying going from god-awful to mediocre. I mean, making that huge leap. <laughs> you know, and then I started entering, entering the work in shows and, and selling a little bit and, and getting better and experimenting. And what really interests me about watercolors or painting is that like in television or in film, every image is to some degree defined by the images that come before and after it. But like when you paint, it's just that image that tells the whole story and implies what came before and what came after it. So there are a lot of similarities between producing film and right. television and producing like two-dimensional art. And I wanted to kind of explore that. You're working with a lot of the same tools, color and composition and... Uh, learning what the rules are and then breaking them. And so I've really enjoyed. And then when I, I kind of backed off and went freelance again in January, I'm still doing work for Channel 9 and, right. and other clients, but because it's fun. I still like producing. I just don't like going to meetings. So there is evidence out there yeah. that, and you know, as you age, you want to keep your brain going. And one of the ways you do it is to learn new things. Exactly. Not things you're comfortable with. Exactly. So it was like, you don't have to do crossword puzzles and you don't have to play the brain games. But no. if you just go out and learn something new, yeah. that will help you to stay young. Oh. And well, so that, I mean, that, so you went out- Welcome to tips for seniors. <laughs> Keeping but your brain to, alive. But, but that says a lot yeah. about you to to go, I'm going to go in this com whole different direction to learn something completely yeah. new that I'm, I don't really have. I don't, it's not like, I mean, when you yeah. were a kid, did you play around with painting and art yeah, and then yeah. just decide I except, need to revisit when it? When I was a kid, like in the public schools, it was like art class was always a drag because it wasn't about being creative. The teacher would say, everybody hold up your piece of paper and, and now oh. we're going to do this and everybody would do the same thing. And then, and then like about four steps into the process, mine didn't look like anybody else's. <laughs> and so you kind of finished the whole process. I thought art was essentially about how learning, learning how to follow instructions. Ah. And when, when you learn later that that's not what it's about at all, then it's like, oh, it's like so many other things you learn in school. I mean, you go through school and then you spend years of your life unlearning the crap <laughs> they taught you, right? I mean, isn't that what your adult life is, is largely about is unlearning all the things? Like, what do they teach you for history? wasn't uh, true. They made it all well, up. And history wasn't, I'm mean, to me, I, I did not like history class because I felt like everything started out or yeah. ended with a war. And yeah. I was like, okay, really? We haven't figured this out yet. But also- it's like one day everybody opened the window and went, oh, it's the age of enlightenment. <laughs> this is good. The dark ages were a drag. I've, I'm so glad I lived to but see the age of enlightenment. don't you think that the History Channel is awesome? Because the History yeah. Channel, like actually, like, if, if my history classes yeah. were like the History Channel, I yeah. would have paid attention. And I like the stuff on Channel 9 too. <laughs> well, of course. There we you did, go. We've done a lot of local history at Channel 9, which is really interesting. Like how many of us grew up 
I mean, it's so biased. How many of us grew up knowing about the 19, 19, uh, uh, 19 race riot in East St. Louis? I, they didn't teach that to us. Nobody did. But like, like people in the black community knew about it. Right. But we didn't know about it. They right. weren't teaching it at my high school. And there's just a lot of stuff that doesn't make, you know, the history books. But art. I was elected president of Webster Arts, which is a great cool. nonprofit in Webster Groves. It's got it's got a great board. Well, we do the art fair, which is right. coming up in the first weekend of June. So go if you hear this in time. <laughs> and and also an autumn music series, lots of art exhibits, a lot of artists are involved. We got uh, on our board among the people that Gene Dobbs Bradford, Jazz St. Louis is on it. Paul Reuter, who runs the, the Sheldon, is on it. Kelly Weber, who was with Grand Center for many, many years. Oh, wow. We've got a, a great executive director, Gene Vogel, who is also a photographer and an artist. So it's just a great collection of people who really know the art and the art art as a business who can right. get things done. And and like a community, like I moved from the Central West End a couple of years ago to Webster Rose, which also feels like a city neighborhood in a lot of ways. Right. Uh, kind of a cross between a small town and a city neighborhood, and 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 it's a real good place to be able to you know get things done. And whether it's a city neighborhood like Cherokee or or where we are you know right now on on Gravelway or the Central West End, when you introduce the arts into a community or a neighborhood, like the possibilities really increase of doing cool things, getting cool people involved, thinking outside the box, having more solutions to problems in your toolbox and being able to do more. Like I'm big into like the arts, not just for art's sake, which right. is, should be enough, but also because you can really enhance the, the, the style of life, the, the quality of life in a neighborhood. Yeah, like, I mean, exactly. You know that. I mean, well, and it's probably, true. And, and it's, it's sad when you hear about when people like schools start cutting that sort of thing. Yeah, the federal like, government. You, you, yeah, them. Yeah, I mean, why cut you funding to public You need to use all the different parts of your brain, yes. right? And so that, I that's I need all the, the parts I got, that's, that's for sure. I can't <laughs> spare any of them. I, I need well, them all. You're, and you're like growing new parts with your art and everything. I hope so. Does it show? <laughs> it so does. You Good. look brainier to me. Brainier, yes. <laughs> yeah. I've started wearing glasses like uh, Rick Perry. They make you look smarter, you know? <laughs> Oh, well, I have to do the same you... thing. It's like as I get older, I'm like, I can't read this anymore. Yeah, I have to. Yeah, you have to get out the readers. You know, now. And, and and also like I I felt really fun and I, I felt really lucky in the 1970s and 80s and 90s to be in radio and to work in television. And even if the broadcast model is changing uh, or going away in some cases, like if you're creative and you can tell a story. And you're in your 20s right now, or you're. There are all kinds of opportunities out there to be able to create documentaries, to be able to tell stories. You're involved with the, you know, the whole TED thing, right? Yeah. Like it, it all boils down beyond the medium, whether it's radio or television. There's so many more distribution systems, like what we're doing right now. I've never yeah. done a podcast. This is my first. Is it really? For, I'm like really honored. 40, then. 40 years in the business, and I've never like done this. Oh, hooray! And so, if you just look around and go, I got stories. I know how to tell stories in interesting ways. There are so many ways to do it. Maybe you don't do it on Channel Nine. Maybe you don't do it on KMOX. You know, maybe you don't do it on something else. It's true. But I mean, just if you have like something to this say, so you cool. just do it. You just go do it. If it's something you want to do, and then you'll you'll figure out how to make it all work. I mean, yeah. That that's I got started simply because. A person said you'd be good at this, and I thought eh, I'll try it out. Yeah. And and then as I started doing, I'm like, I 
love this. I love being able to talk to interesting people. I love asking them the questions I would want to ask them, yeah. you know? It to me, it's it's a complete joy. And then when you find your joy, then you figure out, okay, yeah. now how do I how do I turn this into something that I can do and you know, actually make maybe a little bit of a living at and Hopefully. what have you. And don't let anybody you tell you that you can't do something. I didn't I didn't study broadcasting or anything like this at school. I just picked it up, you know, because we try to make it look hard, but it's not really that hard, you know? I mean, right? I mean, you know, it's like you can pick it up, you know, like producing shows. I mean, I just, like, I started being talent on shows and like, you know, being the voice or being the on-camera guy. And then I looked around, there was always somebody walking around with a clipboard telling people what to do. And I thought, who's that? I, I want to do that. And they said, that's the producer. And I thought, that looks easy. And so I just, you know, I, I, can walk I talked to some producers to and the do. producer said, it is easy. We make it look hard, but it's easy or else everybody would want to do it. Uh, all you do is like surround yourself with people who know more than you do, yeah. which is basically I've spent my whole career doing. <laughs> my first radio job, I, uh, I, was, I had been doing manual labor jobs since I got out of college. I worked at a tuna cannery in LA. I fixed gas pumps at MFA oil house, oil what is it? Missouri Farmers Oil. Really? Yeah. And because, I mean, like, I my college degree didn't qualify me to do anything. <laughs> what <laughs> was your college degree? Political science. Okay. You know? <laughs> and so they were, you know, like, oh, that's great. Uh, so I had kind of lot, just a lot of blue collar jobs for many years. And I heard about a job opening at a radio station. And I just went in and I read a script. And uh, they said, okay, you know, they weren't paying much. And I was good enough for whatever they were paying. And they said, you know how to work a board. And I said, yeah. <laughs> I had no idea what a board was. Oh, I had no idea at sure. all what a board was. <laughs> and so my, so they hired me, and my first shift was like at Sunday morning at like, you know, 6 a.m. And since I didn't know how to work a board, it was to dead air. I didn't know how to turn the pot and flip the switch. and, and But you, you just kind of learn by making mistakes. And for me, probably the first... 35 years were the hardest. <laughs> but after that, it got easier. It's just kind of faking it day by day. And But that's, is. I think it's awesome that you had the confidence to say, oh yeah, I can do that. Because in your head, you're thinking, I'll figure it out. I'll figure it out, right? yeah. I mean, yeah. like, it doesn't take much to have confidence in this world. Look around at the people who are doing stuff. I mean, <laughs> you know, I, I mean, like, I can do like, better than I'm, that I'm sorry, like, you're not as bright as most of the people you run into every day who are doing stuff and doing cool it. stuff. I love it. I think, I think a lot of us, it just doesn't occur to you that you can do, you can do cool stuff too. The first yeah. step is just trying it. Just try it out. Just go and do it. And nowadays you can just go do it and there's plenty of places you can put it on your own. And we right? all, and, and now we have proof positive that it's true. It is true. What your mom and dad told you when you were a kid, anybody can be president. And on that note, we know that. Gonna, That's true. That's a good thing. <laughs> we're going to take another quick break. I love that, by the way. Right. We're going to take another quick break and we will be right back with Patrick Murphy. And we are back with Patrick Murphy and some questions for you. Oh, I didn't know there was a question Yeah, this will, this will just like kind of spark up our conversation to go somewhere different. Okay. Okay. 
What is your favorite, favorite thing ever that happened at Channel 9? Do you have like a totally favorite thing ever? Yeah, my semi-retirement party, because it was the first time everybody <laughs> stood up and said how much they liked. Me. Oh, I like yes, that. That's yeah. all, that makes yeah, you feel good. Yeah. You know, I, not a particular time, but there were particular times. One is when you first start working on a documentary. It's like falling in love. Oh. And it's like, you know how it is when you first fall in love and, and, and uh, every day is like the blush of newness and and trees are greener and the air smells more beautiful because everything is this documentary. Well, especially when you're doing a documentary on Missouri Parks. Yeah, <laughs> or, or the Central West End. or And, and we've done so many documentaries over, over the years. And and then it's like a relationship, sort of. I'm sort of veering from your question. No, no, but then this like, is good. Then like a relationship, it's like, oh, there's that stage where, oh, this is going to require some work. <laughs> and then and then and then you hit like a lot of relationships. You hit that point, like, what have I gotten myself into? <laughs> you know. And is there any possibility of getting out of this? And then, and then, and then, like you break through to the other end, and you're sitting at the premiere, and you have a glass of wine in your hand, and 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 love is restored, and you go, "I'm so glad, I'm so happy, so glad I this did is this." So important. I mean, this is so good. I love it. Yeah. I mean, there is a cycle. So, so when you get that new, and you start making phone calls, and you start writing the script or or whatever, and, and it's like. Those those are wonderful times. I've always loved that. And I love going in and doing voiceovers. I just, this morning, I, I dropped by the station before I came here. And there was a script there. It was for something, you know, and it's just like picking it up and reading it. And it's just fun. It's like, it is fun. It's fun. I just, and, it, and, I, and I, lo- I, I just think it's so amazing how long you have been that voice of Channel 36 9. years. I just think that's so. I think it's amazing and too. A, but there's a total comfort to that I thought, for a lot you. of us. I thought it was yeah. like, I thought it was like, uh, Gonna last maybe a couple of months or something. I was doing voiceovers and Channel Nine was like a client, and and so I'd go in and I just read stuff. Like, and at one point, did they say we officially are naming you the voice of Channel Nine? <laughs> did they like officially say no, that, or did it just no, be, is that like, just what it was? Now, now that I've done it for thirty six years, I can reveal a little secret. Okay, here's a little secret. Okay, I'm, I'm listening. I'm not that good. <laughs> okay, I'm not that good. But and you're then, you unique. Know what? No, people you have get, unique. People get used to you, and they go. And now, like, I'd be, I, they'd hire some new person at Channel Nine, and like she's thirty years old, you know, or or forty even. They go, I grew up listening to you, and I go, yeah, you know, you're just used to. But me. but if people didn't like it, they would. They would say, "Oh my gosh, please, not that voice again." Yeah, man. And I guess. don't you think that Maybe. people would have been? <laughs> Maybe. Oh, here's, here's people a, will people here, will tell their a funny opinions. Story. I was at an I was at an event at Channel Nine. This was some years ago, and and oh, this was so sweet. There was a a, a middle aged woman with her very elderly mother. Okay, mm-hmm. and the mother was. Uh, oh, she was very elderly, and maybe she was maybe dealing with some cognitive issues, gotcha. you know. But in a very, in a way that happens to eventually all of us, I suppose. And uh, and and I was introducing myself to her, and I was doing the being nice to the sweet little old lady, right? Thing, right? And she was talking about how she loved Channel Nine, and 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 then she looked at me and she said, "One thing, though." And and I said yes, and she said, "Tell Patrick Murphy to <laughs> shut up." 
Her daughter just about died, just about died. And I looked at her and I said, I will. I will tell him next time I tell him to shut up. (laughs) That's hilarious. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Tell Patrick Murphy to just tone it down. Question number two. Question Question number number two, two. you ready? All right. And I just happen to know this is a good question to ask you. All right. What is the most interesting thing you have found out about your ancestry? Oh, mm-hmm. I've been kind of fooling around with Ancestry.com. Uh, I know. And uh, uh, I've, I've sort of, like, I grew up in a, I mean, you know, an Irish Catholic family of storytellers, you know, all gotcha. the way back to the old country. And uh, I knew that my great-grandfather, he was born in 1847 in Dublin, and I always knew that he came over here uh, in the, around 1870 and he became a citizen and he started a candy company because they had a candy shop in Dublin. And I went to Dublin and I saw where they used to live. Oh, cool. And I, and I saw, I saw the church where he was baptized and, and I was kind of walked in their footsteps, but he was, he, I learned that he came over to America because he was sentenced to be hanged because he was in a, uh, he was in an uprising, uh, against the British, against British rule. And he was like 17 years old, and they had sentenced him to be hanged, and he came over to America in steerage. Really? Yeah, yeah. Oh, my god! And now I want to find out more about which rebellion it was. There was a rebellion in 1861 outside of Dublin, and I bet he was in it. And if I could find the piece of paper that sentenced him to death, I'm going to mat it and hang it on the wall, because that's how he came to America. That's so cool. I know, and I've got pictures of him, photographs of him, like... Uh, in like in the 1880s with a mustache and stuff. And then I thought, well, who's his father? Well, I found his baptismal certificate and his father, and I found some certificates where he, his father died when he was very young, like in 1849. And his father came from Belfast. So he must have, because they were Catholic, come to Dublin because they were being harassed probably right. by the Protestants in Belfast. And he came down to, uh, but I want to learn about him. That's you so know? cool. Yeah, that sounds that sounds very interesting. Yeah. I, I, we we've got a family member that's really into it, and she gives us. I mean, it's awesome because she does all of it and then tells us, and we're like, "Wow, really?" But yeah, yeah I find it very. He died, he died in the '30s, but my grandfather said he never felt bad about the British people. He never thought the British people were, you know, bad. But he didn't care much for the British government. <laughs> well, it's yeah. always the people. Hey, are they good, want to but... hang you. You're going to develop an attitude. Yeah, you might yeah. get a little upset. Yeah, I, thank I you can... for asking that. That was fun well, to tell. You're welcome. And I have one more. Yeah. So, do you, as an artist, do you have a favorite artist? You know, I, I, I a favorite like uh, school of artists. I really, I really like, uh, uh, like it's called Fauvism, early twenty. Uh, like German Expressionism. I kind of like sort of stuff where they play a lot with colors and shapes and it's kind of a little weird. And and um, and I like, I also really like, I never answer any of your questions straight, do You're I? not supposed that to. That reminds me You're of, supposed to take it in whatever direction and, and, you want to go. And I really like early 20th century Midwest regionalism, like uh, 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 Catherine Kelly, I mean, Catherine Kelly, Catherine Cherry. Okay. And um, uh, uh, Frank Nudisher and-, and I down, don't know any of these. And, I have and, to look and down it up. And down in St. Genevieve, back in the 1930s, during the Depression, there were a bunch of WPA artists, Work Progress Administration artists. And they hung out down in St. Genevieve and a guy named Joe Jones and 
and uh, uh, look them up. St. Genevieve Art Movement back in the really? 30s. Really? Okay. And, and these were like, these, these, they were hanging out and doing kind of a commune thing. And Joe Jones, a hard-drinking guy who painted, <laughs> he was a communist. And, you know, it's just like, wow, these are cool people. You know, back when communists were cool, you know? Oh, yeah. I well, mean, then. they're like so by the book nowadays, you know? I mean, you know, but back then they were like, you know, smoking non-filter cigarettes and yay, the working man. And I'm going to paint and then I'm going to get drunk. <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs> That's I awesome. It. Yeah. Well, Patrick, I thank you. I, I can't thank you enough. I'm so glad I got to meet gonna you. We're going to do a podcast and we're going to go out and get I'm, drunk, right? Yeah, let's go get drunk now. Smoke let's go for it. Cigarettes. Smoke let's do it. That sounds healthy Noon? and fun. Noon? And and since I haven't done this, that, we can. it'll be like growing my brain because <laughs> it'll be a whole new thing that exactly. I can experience. Exactly. You rewire it. <laughs> I'm going to get some new brain connections yes. going. <laughs> this is fun and I am so glad that I met you a couple of weeks Me ago. Me too. Ago, I thank you so much. I, I really appreciate you just going, sure, whatever. You come on and talk about yourself? I, yeah. I'll go talk on your podcast. One I don't have no clue what you're doing here. Me. <laughs> thank you. Well, thank you, Patrick. And you all have been listening to Mishmash. Make sure to go to iTunes and subscribe. Thank you. Love you all. Bye. Uh, look them up, St. Genevieve Art Movement back in the really? 30s. Really? Okay. And, and these were like, these, these, they were hanging out and doing kind of a commune thing. And Joe Jones, a hard drinking guy who painted, <laughs> he was a communist. And, you know, it's just like, wow, these are cool people. You know, back when communists were cool, you know? <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, I mean, then. they're like so by the book nowadays, you know? I mean, you know, but back then they were like, you know, smoking non-filter cigarettes and yay, the working man. And I'm going to paint and then I'm going to get drunk. <laughs> I love it. I love it. That's I awesome. Yeah. <laughs> well, Patrick, I thank you. I I can't thank you enough. I'm so glad I got to meet gonna you. Do a podcast, and we're going to go out and get I'm, drunk, right? Yeah. Let's go get drunk now. Smoke let's go for it. Cigarettes. Smoke let's do it. That sounds healthy Noon? and fun. Noon? And and since I haven't done this, that we can, it'll be like growing my brain because <laughs> it'll be a whole new thing that I exactly. can experience. Exactly. You rewire it. <laughs> I'm going to get some new brain connections yeah. going. This is fun, and I have. <laughs> So glad that I met you a couple of weeks Me ago. Me too. Ago, I thank you so much. I, I really appreciate you just going, sure, whatever. You come on and Mish. talk about yourself? I, yeah. I'll go talk on your podcast One and I have no clue what you're doing here. Me. <laughs> thank you. Well, thank you, Patrick. And you all have been listening to Mishmash. Make sure to go to iTunes and subscribe. Thank you. Love you all. Bye. <laughs>